Welcome to the Bone Coach Show, dedicated to helping you understand all things related to diet, lifestyle, bone health, and how you can live and thrive with low bone density and osteoporosis. I'm your host, Kevin Ellis, certified health coach, health and wellness speaker, and above all else, your bone coach. After being diagnosed with osteoporosis in my early 30s, I transformed my health through diet and lifestyle and now help my clients and community members do the same through my online coaching practice, Bone Coach. Com. Look, there are no quick and easy cures for low bone density, but the choices we make every single day can have a powerful impact on our bones, our health, and our general well-being. I'll share the research, interview the experts, and help you figure out how to get the conditions right in your body so you can better your bones through diet and lifestyle. Short disclaimer, I'm not a medical doctor and this show should not be considered medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare team before making medical decisions and changes to your diet and lifestyle. With that being said, let's get on with the show. When we have an invader come in or an allergen, our immune system detects that and it will release histamine from either our mast cells or our basophils. And it has, it does purposes. So it does things like help with immune defense. It helps protect us against the pathogens. It, it can create an inflammatory response, which can have purpose for short term. We don't want that inflammatory response that lasts forever, but when we have something, an injury or something like that, we need those immune cells to be recruited for that response. So we also have histamine receptors in our brain, so it can regulate wakefulness, alertness, and, and change cognitive function, which is why we even see some things like the anxiety and different symptoms come up when it's out of balance. If you haven't done so already, especially if you're newly diagnosed with osteopenia or osteoporosis, or if your most recent bone density scan still showed more bone loss, go ahead and pause this episode and head over to bonecoach.com to sign up for your free seven day osteoporosis kickstart guide. That's going to give you everything you need step by step by step over the next seven days to get on the path to improvement and stronger bones. You won't wanna miss that, so pause this right now head over to bonecoach.com and I'll be here as soon as you get back. Welcome, welcome to this episode of The Bone Coach Show. Joining us today to explore histamines, mast cell activation syndrome, and osteoporosis is Dr. Meg Mill. Dr. Meg is a PharmD and certified functional medicine practitioner with over two decades of clinical experience. She is also a best-selling author, podcast host, summit host, and sought-after corporate wellness speaker. Her virtual functional medicine practice has transformed the lives of hundreds of clients worldwide by connecting the dots between their diverse, unexplained, and often overlooked health struggles, such as gut issues, chronic fatigue, migraines, skin reactions, anxiety, or allergies. She uses her EAT method to uncover and resolve the underlying connections, whether it's gut dysfunction, hormone imbalances, histamine intolerance, or MCAS. She empowers clients to take control of their health so they can regain the energy, mental clarity, and confidence needed to fully show up for their lives again. In addition to hosting her podcast, A Little Bit Healthier, she's been seen in national publications and on media such as Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Health Magazine, Mind Body Green, Authority Magazine, many other places, and she is a fantastic guest to meet with us today. So Dr. Meg Mill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's talk about how you got into uh, doing the work that you do and also how you are now helping many, many people with issues with histamine, uh, intolerance, and MCAS too. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a life journey. I feel like with so many of us, so many of these issues come from our personal experience and sort of, I w I started out in conventional medicine, but really going back to my early childhood, I was always a kid with a lot of allergies. So I was that child that was allergic to everything that ended up having to be on antibiotics because it would turn into ear infections or bronchitis or things like that. And then getting into my early 20s had all of these gut issues. I, I, I couldn't eat anything. I would go from gastroenterologist. We moved a lot in that time. So I would go from one gastroenterologist to the next whenever I would get to a new place thinking maybe they'll just give me the answer you know i i know there's something wrong but you know everyone was sending me away like you're fine you're healthy you're perfect and i'm like i don't feel fine i can't eat i react to everything i you know have all of these issues and i started actually getting anxiety too which we'll talk about kind of all the connections that come into it so it was got i got to a point where i was like i have to make a change so i started doing my own research i started to change my lifestyle habits i started to really dive into these things and really, once I did the gut healing, once I did nervous system rewiring, once I started to do all of these things, I actually could eat without reacting. I felt so much better at the energy. It all came back together. And then I felt, you know, I felt better at an older age than I did when I was younger because I had all these things in place. And so I really made the career change to go get certified in functional medicine and open to practice where I've been able to help people worldwide really start to see this amazing health transformation by really connecting all of the dots and looking at how all of these things actually are affecting other things in your body it's not just okay that's this system and that's this system they're all really connected and you said you were on the conventional medical side as well mm -hmm. too right yes. so mm -hmm. so what did that experience look like and how is that different from what you're doing now yeah, so really, you know, when we're looking at conventional medicine and it had, there's great things about it. So I, I hate to knock because our, our medical system is set up really well for acute care. You know, you break your arm and you go in and you get it fixed or you have, you know, have an issue that need, you need surgery. But where we want to, where I see it happen a lot is that we're just looking for medications. So it's like, if there's not a medication that fits what your issue is, we're going to say you don't have an issue and that, or, you know, I've had so many people tell me, I know what fine feels like, and I don't feel fine. And you're being told like, you're okay, because we don't see this medication. So we're doing a lot of band-aiding and fixing the problems and looking at medications to solve it. Well, instead of really looking at why it's happening in your body in the first place, and when we do put those connections together, we're actually seeing it. it's also bucketed into specialties and, and you can see the purpose because when we're doing surgery, we want that surgeon to have that specialty and know about that area, but our bodies are all connected to each other. Yeah. And let's talk about histamine now. Yes. <laughs> what is histamine and how does it affect us? Yeah. So I feel like histamine is a little bit like cortisol. It gets a bad rap in because we have all these symptoms from histamine, but it actually does have a purpose in our bodies. So when we have an invader come in or an allergen, our immune system detects that and it will release histamine from either our mast cells or our basophils. And it has, it does purposes. So it does things like help with immune defense. It helps protect us against the pathogens. It helps actually recruit immune cells and, and can create an inflammatory response, which can have purpose for short term. We don't want that inflammatory response that lasts forever, but when we have something, an injury or something like that, we need those immune cells to be recruited for that response. 
It can help in regulating stomach gastric acid. It actually, we actually even, we have four different types of histamine receptors. So we also have histamine receptors in our brain. So it can regulate wakefulness, alertness, and, and change cognitive function, which is why we even see some things like the anxiety and different symptoms come up when it's out of balance. It can help with wound healing and cause vasodilation to help immune cells actually be able to get to the affected or damaged area. We talked about allergies, so it's a part of our body's mechanism to actually expel the harmful agents, the, even parasites and other pathogens from our body. And even it can cause bronchoconstriction in our lungs because we want to contract the airways of something harmful comes in. So we start, we have purpose of histamine. It does all these wonderful things, but often we see problems when it gets imbalanced. Interesting. And what is leading to this imbalance? So I, I like to give a bucket analogy when we're talking about histamine intolerance. So when you think of, think of your body like a bucket. And so you want, we have all these things that are filling our bucket over and over again, and they're piling in. And, and that's fine because we have holes in the bottom of our bucket. You can think of a bathtub or a bucket where you're draining out of the bottom. So you're filling it up with the, with life, with you know, histamine containing foods with an allergen, with toxins, with all of these things, and the bucket's filling and it's draining at the same time and you're maintaining that. But when we start to get clogs in the bottom of the bucket or we get too many things filling the bucket, we start to get this overflow. And that's when we start to see histamine intolerance. So histamine is broken down by two different ways in our body. We have, the first way is diamine oxidase. And the second way is histamine and methyltransferase. So diamine oxidase is an enzyme responsible for breaking down histamine in your gastrointestinal tract. And it can become compromised for several different factors. So one of the things is that you could actually just have genetic SNPs. You can have variations that De decrease the function of your diamine oxidase. So you could be set up a little bit more to not be able to break down histamine. And we'll get into some of the foods. I think that people don't even realize that histamine is in foods. It's not talked about as much mainstream. So we need to be able to break down the histamine that actually comes into the body from our foods. So you can have some genetic variants, but one of the and, ways- and what, are, what are some of those ones? If you could just touch on those briefly too, what are some of those SNPs? So you can have a SNP in the, the in so it's in the, it's the diamine oxidase enzyme SNP. So it would be, so on a test, on a genetic test, you would see your DAO. So you wanna, if you have histamine intolerance, you wanna be able to make sure that your, that the test you're getting is testing for diamine oxidase and that you're getting methylation. So we'll get, so methyl, the methylation SNPs would be like your MTHFR would be, and a lot of people have the MTHFR. So we're looking at that one. And then we're also looking, even sometimes you can have an MAO SNP that can affect it. You know, so there's different, when you're looking at the different pathways, those different SNPs can affect the breakdown of histamine. Understood. Understood. And so one of the causes and contributing factors to histamine intolerance is mast cell activation syndrome. Can you talk about what, what is that and how does that occur? 
Yeah. So when you're what, so one of the things that's filling your bucket is, is mass cell activation. So we're looking at all of the things that can make you release more histamine. So what happens in mast cell activation is that your mast cells start overreacting and releasing histamine for no reason. So remember when we talked in the beginning about how we're getting histamine released from an invader? Well, it's your body starts to think that everything's an invader. So the things you eat, the fragrance that you smell, the things that are around you, even temperature changes, things that would be normal, your body starts to see as invaders and you start to release these, you know, this histamine, histamine and other things are released from the mast cells, but we start to see this histamine release. And then you start getting all of these symptoms that start to happen. So we need to really, when it comes to mast cell work on why are your mast cells being triggered? Understood. And, and I know mass, so mast cells located in the bone marrow, right. And they can secrete a variety of different mediators. They can secrete histamine, tumor necrosis factor, interleukin uh, six, a variety of other ones. What are some of the other effects of maybe uh, that, that could be seen on bone health or osteoporosis when we're talking about histamine intolerance and mast cell activation? Mm -hmm. So histamine actually can influence the bone remodeling. So it stimulates the osteoclast. So it can lead to bone reabsorption. So you know, we're, when we're looking at the osteoporosis in the bone rebuilding versus the bone remod, the bone reabsorption, we're looking at that we start to get an imbalance. And so the, when the mast cells, like you said, are activated, we also see other things. In addition to histamine, we see other substances like cytokines and prostaglandins that also can affect the osteoblast and osteoclast ratio. So we start to see an increase in bone density breakdown. Understood. Yeah. And then also for mast cells specifically, we know these can be contributors to other secondary causes of osteoporosis like rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis, inflammatory disorders. And also for mast cells specifically, uh, they help regulate bone healing after a fracture by influencing that inflammatory response. So if we have any issues with that, that can also be affected too, just like you were talking about with the bone remodeling process. So uh, there's absolutely a connection between histamine, mast cells, bone health, and osteoporosis. And I, I really think this is an important topic to discuss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it affects, it's a whole body issue because as we were saying, the histamine receptors are all over our body. So when we're looking at symptoms, it can really over, I think one of the things that are tricky is that it can overlap with a lot of other symptoms. So you can be having a wide variety of symptoms. You know, you might have headaches, you might have skin issues, you might have GI issues, you might have anxiety, you might, you know, you might have allergies and you're having all of these different things and they seem like they're all different. And then when we go back and we're looking at some of the root causes, we can see, oh wait, you're, you know, you have overactive mast cells that's contributing to all of these things, or, you know, you'd uh, mast cell activation and histamine intolerance aren't the same. So some people, somebody can have histamine intolerance without having activated mast cells. And you can have, you can actually have mass. It's rare, but you can have mast cell activation syndrome without having a lot of the histamine symptoms too. But we, you know, we're, we're seeing them so often intertwined too. So other than just someone having all of these different symptoms and maybe they've they've gone down the rabbit hole of trying to figure all these different things out but they just can't figure it out 
And maybe it's mast cell activation, histamine issues that that's behind that. Anything on like diagnostic testing, lab tests that that help uncover a little bit more of that picture or move you more in the direction of, okay, this is what it is. It's probably, you know, something to do with histamine or mast cell activation. Yeah. So we, there are blood, you know, there are blood tests. I would say go to your doctor to, you know, if you think that you have that, if you think that you have ma mast cell active, like the problem is it's a little bit we can test like tryptase in blood and there's different, you know, there's different tests. It's a little bit of a harder thing. It, it, what mast cell activation, I'm not answering you clearly because there's two different things. So histamine intolerance, you, could, you can check histamine levels one in the blood. So you also kind of, we kind of look at that symptomatically for mast cells there are, you can test different urinary tests and you can test like blood tryptase levels and different things like that. But it, it wasn't diagnosed really as an illness until 2016. So they're still really working on better methods for that. And so things are coming out all the time, but we're, we're also looking at multi, you know, it's, you have to have multi-system issues. So when we're seeing, okay, we're having different issues from different symptoms, we start to think of that dynamic. And, and then if someone identifies that they do have, you know, issues with histamine. So is, is it, it's probably not the conventionally trained physician that's spotting this and bringing it to the forefront and saying, okay, let's address these histamine issues and mast cell activation. Uh, it's more likely to be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the functional medicine practitioner, the integrative physician that's uh, looking at things a little bit more holistically, you know, is that, is that the starting point? Typically it's like, you got to be with the right person first to make sure that they can help you reach the diagnosis. And then once you have the diagnosis, you seek to understand how to go about addressing those issues. Yes. And I have to say a lot of people, it, it's actually becoming more and more well-known, but I would say a lot of people are coming to me with the symptoms and then we uncover, oh, wait, this, because when you're looking at it from a functional perspective, we're looking at all of the things that cause this. So your mast cells don't just go haywire. They go haywire because you have underlying, you know, you may have a parasite, you may have candida, you may have SIBO, you may have Lyme, you know, a tick-borne illness mold, you may have chemical sensitivities or environmental toxicities or heavy metals or all of these things that are causing it. So when as a functional practitioner, we're looking at all of the root causes and we're pulling, I say always like peeling the onion back, putting the connections together and trying to, to see, okay, what are all the connections that are causing you to feel this way? So we're looking at all of those things and identifying them. And then when we bring those layers off, that's when everything calms down. So, you know, we need to heal the gut. We also need to rewire your nervous system a lot of times because we, your body is overreactive. And so we need to get you, we need to also work on vagal nerve stimulation. We need to work on like limbic system retraining to get you to feel like you're in a, a calm place that your body's not going to overreact. So it's working on the root causes along with some of that work where I really see the difference and the change and being able to tolerate things and, and to be able to peel back a lot of these symptoms. What are some of the steps people can take if they've if they think that they've got histamine issues or it's confirmed they've got histamine related issues, what are some steps that they can take? Like, are there things in their diet and lifestyle and other things that they can actively change? If so, what are 
some of those things that can move them in the right direction? Yep. So the first thing I would say is that they can try a low histamine diet. So I don't like the low histamine diet as a long-term solution because it is very limiting. There's a lot of foods and there's some healthy foods. So we're talking about foods potentially like bananas or avocados or, you know, there are things that can be tomatoes, things that can give you nutrients in your diet, but you can also be reacting to some of these foods that you don't even know about. So we, I use it as a discovery phase. So if you find a low histamine diet, you pull these foods out of your diet and you feel a little bit better, then you can start to identify which foods are actually a problem for you. So is that making a difference? We're, we, you know, when we're thinking about that bucket again, we're bringing the load down. So what's one thing you can just bring the load down, decrease the histamine in your food and start to see, and then you reintroduce and you what, you know, you look at the effects that you have when you reintroduce this food. So it, it, it's variable. Um, people sometimes, you know, it's a lot. If you just Google low histamine diet, it's tricky because there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of lists that maybe aren't so accurate and there's some variability. So I would say to find a practitioner who knows or a nutritionist or a dietitian who knows how to manage the low histamine diet and make sure you're really getting it done the right way. Because we. Can, the other thing is that taking another like another step another really foundational piece of healing histamine intolerance is healing your gut so we need to heal the gut we need to you know bring back there's there's histamine producing bacteria in the gut so there's things like morganella citrobacter klebsiella um, different actual bacteria that can beyond breaking it down with the dao enzyme can actually be producing histamine in your gut and so we want to make sure that we're actually killing those off too so the problem is when you do gut healing a lot of times you're told to eat fermented foods you're told to take a probiotic the things that are those all stimulate histamine so it, it, you have to be working with again with someone who know who understands histamine intolerance so that you're not actually aggravating your symptoms while you're doing some of the healing that's what I was going to ask too. What are the high? So you talk about low histamine diet. What are the what are the highest histamine offenders that that people are taking in daily usually? The highest histamine. I think one of the tr one of the trickiest things is uh, is avocado. Not that it's necessarily the highest, but avocado. People, you know, it's been so like healthy fat. Avocados are good. We're putting them in our smoothies. We're you know, and that's one that's hard. The other thing that's one of the trickiest things is actually leftovers because. Even if a food is low histamine, if it if you eat it over 24 hours after it's cooked, um, meat grows histamine as it sits as a leftover. So you have to really make sure that you're eating fresh. So you could be eating low histamine foods and then getting histamine because the food's not fresh. So freshness is a factor. So meal prepping isn't always a great idea for people with histamine intolerance. Interesting. Yeah. So the things that make it maybe sustainable or practical for some people from a planning perspective where they batch all their meals on a Sunday or something like that. If you have issues with histamine, that may not be the way to go, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe it's coming up with some recipes that are a little bit easier to make, but that you can make them daily or uh, something like that. So uh, any, any other tips that you think are important to know if you've got histamine related issues? Yeah, so I think really just what we would do next. So we start, you know, you can start with the low histamine diet. You can clean up your home. So, I mean, let's go back to the basics. We can make sure that we're 
get, you know, maybe an air filter, maybe a water filter, what's your exposure? Do you, are you exposed by allergy? Even little things like people will know that they're allergic to dogs, let's say, and they let their dog sleep in their bed. I know you love your dog, but if you have that allergy and you're letting your dog sleep on you and you know you're bothered, do you, you know, just maybe make some changes there? You know, those are little things, but really looking, another thing you can do is look at your environment and go back to basics. And what are you actually exposed to that could be triggering this, you know, histamine release, uh, hormonal imbalances. So we know that est estrogen and histamine have a synergistic relationship. So sometimes when you have hormonal imbalances, you're getting more histamine. So working on hormones is another thing, but we, we want to pull out those offenders. We want to, while we want to, you know, heal the gut, we want to look for mold toxicity. We want to look for heavy metals, we want to balance the hormones and all of those things, and then really regulate the nervous system while we're doing all of the other work. And so this is not typically a short-term fix, right? It's not something that just typically happens overnight. Okay. I'm going to make some changes to my histamine my histamine awareness and change my diet a little bit. And then boom, I'm better. It, it typically takes longer than that to, to figure out what's underlying it and address the issue. So what's, what's the long-term approach here? Mm -hmm. So I would say that I, I would say if you just have the, cause we're kind of looking when we're talking about this, cause we're, we're talking about histamine and then we're bringing MCAS in. So if you have histamine intolerance and you're just, you know, be, you're bothered by the symptoms of histamine and you, you, if we do gut healing, we get you digesting and absorbing your nutrients, you know, we can really start to turn that around fairly quickly. So we, you know, we have to make sure that we optimize the, the enzymes and that we get the right nutrients and you're digesting them. we pull the offenders out, we can start to see a change. If you have a mast cell activation issue and your mast cells are firing for all of the different reasons, we need to, act, we have to identify, go further and identify all of the reasons that that's happening. And some, and that can be a longer process. So, you know, then we're moving into, we still need to do those same foundational pieces, but we need to move deeper and say, okay, what else is going on? And, and while while you're doing this, you can do, you know, we can do mast cell stabilizers. So you can take, there, there are antihistamines you can take over the counter. You can also use things like quercetin that we can start to see. We have some combination products that are really good that we start to get your immune system calmed down while we're working on identifying and fixing the root causes at the same time. And that's where, but, but really without doing the work of identifying the root causes and fixing them, we're not really seeing much change. And what starts to happen is if you just keep on the, what I see is that if you just stay on the low histamine diet, one, you're not getting enough nutrients. And sometimes you'll start reacting. If you try to put them back, you're going to be more reactive. So we really, again, need to, to identify all the pieces together. Now for people that have, uh, that are really concerned about this and they're focused on healing, or they know they have issues with histamine or, or uh, mast cells, you do have a summit. If you're listening yes. to this in early 2024, you'll be able to attend this summit. Why don't you talk about the summit a little bit? And then what we can do is share with people where they can find you and, and get help from you if they want to do that. Great. Yes. Yeah. So we are um, doing a reversing mass activation syndrome and histamine intolerance summit to bring more awareness to this because it's actually post COVID has grown 
to be much more of a problem for a lot of people than it was. So we're just really seeing it increase and increase. So hopefully if you've been feeling like, hey, I have all these mystery symptoms and I can't figure out why, then you know we can help give you some answers because we have over 50 speakers that are coming and we're gonna give great information to a, a lot of experts in the field. So it's um, June 18th through the 24th and it is a free event. So you, you can join, you can come. My website is megmill.com. It's just M-E-G-M-I-L-L.com. And we'll have a sign up there, but we're, it's being hosted by Dr. Talks Summit Company. So you can also sign up at drtalks.com for the summit. And it, there's a lot of great information that will come. You'll get hours and hours. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So, and by the way, this is again, for those in 2024, if you're listening to this, we'll link to everything down in the show notes. I'll link to, uh, uh, where you can get access to the summit if you're if you're watching this beforehand and uh, then if you'd like to share what uh, any other resources that you want to point people to that we'll link to in the show notes as well yeah sure so i um my like i said my website is megmill.com i have a podcast called a little bit healthier so in that podcast we're we're talking about things you can do every day in your life to be a little bit healthier so if you'd love to have you join us over there and i'm over on instagram at drmegmill.com it's just d-r-m-e-g-m-i-l-l <laughs> perfect well i'm i'm so glad you and i got a chance to chat this is such an important topic and for everybody listening you can find all of the resources show notes everything mentioned here today over at bonecoach.com and again right down below the podcast or you can search meg mill on our uh on our website and I want to thank everybody again so much for your time. Check out the summit as well if you're if you're listening to this before June of 2024. And we'll see you in the next episode. Hope you found this episode of the Bone Coach Show helpful. You can find all the resources, show notes, everything mentioned over at bonecoach.com. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, be sure to share it with someone you love, a friend, family member, even a group of people. And also be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode that can help you improve your bones, your health, and your future. One last reminder, if you haven't done so already, head over to bonecoach.com for more great resources to help you get on the path to stronger bones and an active future. I'm your bone coach, Kevin Ellis. I'll see you in the next episode.